0: She just got it. All right. right. Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 5. Hebrews 5, verses 11 to 14. During this three week break that I have been taking from the Gospel of Luke, there's a. a unity to this little series. We started with chapter 10 of Hebrews where we see that the writer says that the daily ongoing life of believers is lived in community in the local church where he, he encourages us to go on and inspire each other to love and good deeds, which happens... In community where you are being vulnerable and being known and knowing and caring about others. Then last week we saw also in Hebrews 10 that the foundation for that to be sustained in our lives is your vertical relationship with God. Where He said to us in verse 22 of chapter 10, Draw near to God. And we saw that that ongoing intimacy, daily fellowship with the Lord is not happening apart from doctrine, or Bible, the gospel, truth. In the text he says, since or because this is true, the blood of Christ and all that that means. And because this is true, In other words, theology. Therefore, draw near to God. And that leads me to this third and final sermon of this series. And that is this. You cannot be developing and growing in your vertical relationship with God and overflowing horizontally to others if you are growing dull of hearing. Are you there? Verses 11 to 14, chapter 5 of Hebrews. About this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. Practice to distinguish good from evil. Let's pray. Father, my prayer is that you draw near not only in the word and the sentences of this text and how they'll be explicated by me to our minds oh yes that you cause us to be alert but more than that that you would awaken to any extent that we are dull of hearing oh father cause the appropriate manifestation of salvation to be happening in the hearts of us your people this morning In what You speak to us through the writer to the Hebrews. In Jesus' name, amen. It's no big deal that my son Caleb only comes up to my belly button because he's only five years old. But if by the time he's 14 years old, he still only comes up to my belly button, then we need to be terribly concerned about some disease in him. In this text this morning, what is clear is that the readers that the writer, really, the preacher, this is a sermon he's giving to them, is that the readers are stunted in their spiritual development. He says, you have need of milk. You can't handle solid food. They can't swallow a piece of steak any more than a two-month-old baby could. Uh, Imagine a teenager stops eating food and some, boy, that just hit me. That would be awesome. you save a lot of money. But if they stop eating food and revert back to drinking formula out of a bottle, that's what this author is saying about these Christians. Instead of them going on through the years and understanding the Gospel in their minds and embracing it with their hearts that reflects itself in their daily life with all of its implications. They should be able to teach people by now, he says. This stuff should be the the air you breathe. But it's not. He says, You need someone to teach you again and again the very basic elemental principles of the faith. Now, the context, we start here in verse 11 of chapter 5. But the context of what's happening here, the, the writer has been saying, Do you see what God did in the Hebrew scriptures and with the people of Israel? Here's a type. Jesus is the fulfillment. Here's a type. Jesus is the fulfillment. You see how great Moses is? Jesus is master over over Moses. And now, here he goes again. There's this obscure figure in Genesis. Melchizedek. And he says, I'm going to teach you how Melchizedek is a picture of Jesus, our Savior. And here he goes, and then he pauses, and he says, oh, wait a minute. You're not going to get it. You won't be able to hang with me. It's going to go way over your heads. Think about it. Has that ever happened today? Has it happened in the church world today? Can't talk about that. People won't get that. What do we do about that? I think the first thing we should do is pay attention to what this writer thinks by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. As he realizes, I'm going to teach you the glories of Christ. But you won't get it. I, I, just, I struggle to get it over to you. Why? His answer is, not because of your IQ. Not because of your intellectual capacities will you not be able to understand what I want to teach you. Not because this subject matter is only for ivory tower academics who want to really think about Christianity or God or the Gospel in any depth. His answer is, it's going to go over your heads because of your hearts. Because of your desires. And so before he plunges in to Melchizedek and then into the temple the high priesthood and everything else throughout this sermon to the Hebrews, he takes this detour to give them and thus all of us believers down through the ages a warning. So get the context. There's something wrong with this group of Christians that he's writing to. Their growth is stunted. They come up to his belly button, but they should be by now adults. And in chapter 5, verse 11, where this comes from, you, you can feel that he's been leading up to this in this letter. In chapter 2, verse 1, he writes, Pay close attention to the message you've heard, lest you drift away from it. In chapter 3, verse 8, he he warned, don't harden your hearts like Israel did in the wilderness. Don't be like that. It's a danger, all of us professing Christians. In chapter 3, verse 12, he tells the believers, Be very careful lest you have an evil heart of unbelief falling away from the living God. In chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Fear lest you fail to enter God's rest. And and throughout Hebrews is this theme. Hold fast. Hold firm to your confession of faith unto the end of your life or when Jesus comes back. And so with all of these urgent admonitions, we begin to get this impression of, that the writer senses there's some terrible disease going on in these Hebrew Christians and it's stunting their spiritual growth. And so, in our text, in verse 11 of chapter 5, he names the disease. He gets explicit. About this Melchizedek, we have much to say. We just can't wait. We want to just tell you the glories of Christ in it. And it's hard to explain it. Because that's what the word sense means here, because you have become dull of hearing. There it is. That's the disease he names. Dullness of hearing. That's what's behind all the medicine that he has been feeding them with the exhortations. Pay attention. Don't lose heart. Fear, lest Fear unbelief in your heart. Hold fast. That's the remedy. That's His medicine. It is medicine aimed at the disease of dullness of hearing. You see, He says, the problem or the reason that these Christians cock their head saying, Mr. Writer to us Hebrews, that's too difficult. I I don't get what you're saying. That's going over my head. He says, the reason that's happening is because even though they have been Christians for years, they have become dull of hearing. Th- think about the travesty it-, it-, it would be if parents of a 5 High five-year-old says, Oh yeah, I see that boy. He's much, much smaller than all the other children. Okay, let's fix this situation. And they call a general contractor to remodel the house so that they can lower the doorknobs and the sinks and the toilets and the light switches and everything else to cater. To this disease in the child. Instead of bringing him to the physician to get diagnosed, and maybe there's a cure, maybe there's an operation, maybe there's medicine that will help him grow normally. That would be horrific. Think what a travesty it would be if centuries after the writer penned this. Letter to the Hebrews. That there were parents that, or or there were pastors who refused to take their congregations to the doctor of biblical depth and admonition, but instead said, let's remodel everything. They just give in to the disease of dullness of hearing. And they build their ministries around it. Well, I mean, what if they realize Well, I just noticed that so many people just can't take basic biblical doctrine, like justification by faith alone. You try to explain it to them, their heads cock to the sides, and huh? And they wander off Sunday after Sunday. You try to, instead of just, okay, Jesus is the answer, that's good enough, that's, that's good, instead of unfolding Romans and talking about what really happened on the cross with the atonement. Or doctrine after doctrine of Christ, one person, two natures. Of God, who is one in nature and eternally exists in three persons. Or the sovereignty of God over against the reality of the freedom of the will. How in the world is? Does, does that work? But they realize, when I try that, people's eyes just get glossy. You can tell that they're, they're not there. They get bored. So, they got a solution. We'll refuse to prepare solid food. We'll just fill up the pulpit with baby bottles filled with formula. Week after week, month after month, year after year. And they may feel that it's easier because it solves this tension that, well, if we just feed them the Word, lots of people who may be happy to go to church might not be happy to come to church anymore. It helps them skirt this, the difficult task of, yes, bottle feeding true, genuine baby Christians and at the same time feeding steak and meat to more seasoned Christians and rebuking those with a spiritual disease called dullness of hearing. The author does not take that path. He doesn't try to skirt the issue. This author, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, knows that the problem is not with the Bible. He knows the problem is not with the Gospel. He knows the problem is not with doctrine. And He also knows it's not a problem with normal, everyday people who have more than enough intellectual capacity to grasp the teaching of the Bible. He knows this is a heart issue. He knows it is a desire issue. He knows it's a spiritual problem. The problem is not with what he wants to teach. The problem is with the people who are to be taught. Look at verse 11. In verse 11, he shows us that teaching God's Word is a two-way street. I so desire to unfold these truths to you, but they're hard to explain. He doesn't mean because I really don't understand them either and therefore I can't explain them. It's not what he means. He means they're hard to explain because teachers feel if something's bouncing back, if hearts are springing alive and minds are churning. He says, I can just tell it's just hard to draw it out of me because of your dullness of hearing. In other words, the two-way street is there is the knowledge, there is the exegetical work, the interpretive work of Scripture, there is the ability of teachers in the church to explain things clearly, yes, and there is also the receptivity of hearers. The best, and I say this with no hesitation, The best teacher in human history used to exhort his hearers with, He who has ears, let him hear. Because he knew many people will not understand what he's saying. He exhorted his hearers, Take care. Be very careful then how you hear. See, if Jesus is the teacher and the message is not getting through, guess who is at fault? When the hearers are dull, teaching, which means it goes from one person or the words written down in your Bible in your home. Teaching doesn't happen unless the receiver gets it. That's teaching. But when the hearer is a dull, that process is stunted. It's really difficult. And then he goes on to explain what he means by dull of hearing to these Hebrew Christians. Let's just start again at verse 11. About this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since or because you have become dull of hearing. For, that means he's going to explain what he meant now. For, though by this time you ought to be teachers, You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You you need mommy's milk, not solid food, for or because everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since or because he's a child. But solid food is for the mature For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. He's just said, to the extent the Word of God with its glorious promises The foundation of those promises, the the picture of the glory of God through Jesus Christ from Genesis to Revelation unfolded to the extent that's not received, looked at, viewed, as Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians, that we may behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And thus, practiced by daily repentance when it's needed... Spurred on in the hope of the Gospel again, when it's not put into practice, your senses won't be trained. And the more they're not trained, the Word of God is bouncing off your heart week after week. That is what He calls dullness of hearing. And in this sermon of this writer to the Hebrews, his whole goal is to be very practical and help these people get to heaven. And his practical mind says, I know what that means. To preach and to teach doctrine. Which the book of Hebrews is loaded with now, just pause for a moment. What I mean by doctrine is simply this. What the Bible teaches. What does the Bible teach about Jesus? That right there is called the doctrine of Christ or of Christology. What does the Bible teach about heaven? That's the doctrine of heaven. Heaven or the end times, or the second coming, and the eternal age. What does the Bible teach about God and His nature? It's the doctrine of God, or the doctrine of the Trinity. You can just go on and on. What does the Bible teach about election? That's the doctrine of election. So when you hear the word doctrine, just think teaching. Think, learning what the Bible says is understanding Bible teaching or Bible doctrine. Now, as we saw last week, to understand the scripture, to want to understand it is not the goal. The goal of all things is for us sinners to revel and delight in God through Jesus Christ. And the means He is given is His Word. And so, doctrine is there so that we would see and behold the beauty and the glory of God and we would revel in it. And thus, in so doing, we would grow from one degree of glory to another. But we live in a day of dumbed down Christianity where there's a lot of opposition against straightforward, expositional Bible, thus doctrinal preaching and teaching. Saying goes, Doctrine divides, but love edifies. Interpreted? Let's be extremely ambiguous about Christianity and what we think it is. But see, even that statement, Doctrine divides, but love edifies, is a doctrine. Every professing Christian, every single one, has doctrines. They may be sound doctrines in line with Scripture, or they may be unthought through, shallow understandings of Scripture, and at their core, because of the shallowness, are unbiblical. They're wrong. They're distortions of the truth. So if you're a Christian, you cannot avoid being a theologian on one level. The question is, are you growing to be sound in biblical teaching? Or are you shallow and mixed up and unbiblical in your theology? And the question that this text this morning asks of every one of us in this room. And it asks it today, and it will ask, if you're alive 33 years from now, it's asking you again. That day is this. Do you have the disease of dullness of hearing? Let me concentrate on the word dullness for a minute. That's the disease. Dullness of oh, hearing. That word "dull," "nothroi," is the Greek word, it means lazy or sluggish. But I think key to really understanding what this author means is to look at the only other time he uses this same word in the book of Hebrews so just flip over a page to chapter 6 verse 12 but let me start with verse 11 he says and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have Okay, what should we have the fullness or the full assurance Of hope until the end. Why would we want to do that? So that you may not be sluggish. That's the word. Nothroi. So that you may not be dull. But instead, you'll be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So, the writer here has just told us what the opposite of dullness of hearing is it's diligence, it's earnestness to have the truth of doctrine, of the gospel, of Christ, of his high priesthood, of his incarnation, of his substitutionary sacrificial death, of his resurrection. We can go on and on and on. Of how you live that out in the Christian life. He has just said, the opposite of dullness of hearing is having those truths not just sit in your mind, but affect your heart where full assurance of your salvation, of full assurance of your hope in Christ, is a lot to the point that what you, you become imitators of others in the body of Christ who, through their ongoing faith and patience, inherit the promises. That's what he's talking about. So, it's clear that being dull of hearing has nothing to do with the physical ears or with a mind that says, Yes, I understand that doctrine. Even demons may understand. Those doctrines. It means, dullness of hearing means there's something wrong with our heart when we are dull of hearing. Which is true for every believer in this road of Christianity to one degree or another. We're called to fight it. It works this way. The heart is not earnest. It's not diligent. My heart has no, no desire. There's no eagerness to embrace the truth and the promises and to take them, to turn them in to faith and patience through whatever you're going through. But instead, the Word comes to the ears. It filters through adequate intellectuals, minds of the normal person, and those words go down into the heart and they hit something that's hard. That's dullness of hearing. The preaching about the promises of God and from whom and why they flow the Gospel of Christ. It hits our ears. Our minds understand the English language or whatever language you're hearing those words in. And it aborts because there's no grasping with the heart. There's no passion and hunger for them to impact and change your life at that given moment. There's no love, in other words, for the content of those doctrines who is God through Jesus Christ. There's no embracing and cherishing the truth of those doctrines. And so there's no faith at that moment. And if that is an ongoing truth for a person, it would mean for them, according to this text in 6, chapter 6, verse 12, there is no inheritance of eternal life. He says, "Don't be, so that you won't be sluggish, but you will be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit eternal life. And that's the whole reason the writer penned. To be the means to help these professing Christians not be false. But to endure. To hold fast to the end. And inherit eternal life. And so, he knows the disease of dullness of hearing is really dangerous to the soul. Dullness of hearing. Let's look at that word for a moment. Look at the one other time the writer uses that word in this letter. Chapter 4, verse 2. For good news came to us. with with the message of Jesus Christ, the Gospel, just as it came to them in the wilderness. But the message they heard did not benefit them. Why? Because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Okay, Where he says, the message... They heard. It's the same Greek structure as our text. The word of hearing. That's what he means. That's what he said. Like our text. Dullness of hearing. So here we see the same problem again. The word of hearing, they hear it. They understand it in the sense that they understand the language. I know what you're saying, Moses. But in that hearing, they're rock hard. I I will not be moved to repentance, to faith. I, I will not delight in such a God who said such a thing. To me. That's what's going on in the wilderness that, that, that it, this writer is referring to. And he just summarizes it this way. The Word comes. Oh, they hear it. But it doesn't benefit them because it's not united with the heart of faith. That is dullness of hearing. The message they heard did not benefit them because those words, the Word of hearing was not united with the heart of faith by those who heard or listened. Word goes into the ears, filters down to the heart, and it meets dullness, boredom, hardness of heart. The opposite of dullness of hearing is hearing with a heart of faith. I mean, trust. Which means, as God prepares a meal, you say, wow, that's, my spiritual taste buds are hungry. Yes, please, please give me more. I want to eat. It meets that heart. And thus it produces obedience. It, it's, it's crystal clear. Just If you're there in chapter 4, just look up a couple verses to what he just said in chapter 3. Verses 18 to 19. It's crystal clear. And to whom did he swear, God swear, that they will not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient. So we see that they were unable to enter because of disobedience. Is that right? Someone's got to look at their Bible. He said, so we see that they were not able to enter because of... He didn't use the word disobedience that you would expect. He used the word unbelief. A heart that doesn't trust in Him and cling to Him like Moses or Joshua or Caleb or other examples in the wilderness. That's why He made the switch from disobedience to unbelief. Because the root of disobedience is always, I don't trust You right now, God. No, go this way and not that way because I am your God and I'm looking out for you. No, I'm going to go this way. means I don't trust You. It's a lack of trust in the promises of God when we have lapses of faith like our father Abraham. So when the writer says these readers have become dull of hearing, he means they hear with their ears, but they're unresponsive. More and more, unresponsive with their hearts. Their hearts in their desires or less and less embracing what they're hearing and he says you're in big danger and therefore it doesn't produce patience and obedience and so the writer says to him in chapter 5 verse 11 there's so much more i want to unfold for you so you can you can view the glory of god in this but it's so difficult to get over to you because you have become dull of hearing. Remember Jesus' parable of the four soils? Another way to say it is Jesus' parable of four types of human hearts. The Word of God comes. They all hear. They all understand it intellectually what's being said. And only one of them is saved. Three of them, there are different responses for time. And they abort. Okay, remember the parable, got it? This is then what Jesus says. If you understand this truth, our Lord says, then He says this, get it? Guys, gals, take care then how? Not just that you hear, I went to church, church. I read my Bible. No, take care how you hear. Why? He goes on, because to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. In other words, if you have grace to hear and receive the Word implanted in the heart and thus is producing fruit, He says, i got so much more for you. I'll send the writer to Hebrews to you and give it to you. And he'll have a good time and no problem explaining it. But... If you have an ongoing heart that is not moved and receptive to the truth of God's word, Jesus says, then even what you think you have will be taken away. And in the context, he means the word. This is the problem that's starting to happen to this church the writer's talking about. The Word's being taken away. It's getting harder and harder to explain to you. See, what Jesus said there really closely parallels our text. The one who has grace to hear will receive more grace and the one who does not The one who is dull of hearing, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away. Verse 11 of Hebrews 5 says, There's so much more. Not stuff in your head. Not mere theology so you can disagree with those who disagree with what you think. But there's so much more for us to get in Scripture so that we can see and enjoy and be moved about God and His glory, about our Savior, Jesus Christ, that will bring us again and again by the power of the Spirit unto repentance and good works. So, if you've been here throughout the summer, these three sermons on on Hebrews. We get back to Luke next week. I hope you see the flow. If we just start it backwards with this morning's sermon. Dullness of hearing leads to not drawing near to God. Which, as the fumes run out on whatever momentum you had, leads to... A lack of biblical church life. Body life. Encouraging one another every day unto loving good works. Being known, being exposed, loving and knowing others. That's what these three sermons have been about. Let me just close now with three exhortations concerning this foundation of our text this morning. First is this. I plead with you that in your Bible reading and while you listen to expository preaching to ongoingly purpose to be diligent and earnest in how you hear. Prepare your hearts before you get to church on Sunday morning, look, we're all real life Christians here. We don't play games. Look, we have jokes about why I don't drive to church with my wife and the kids. Okay. It'd be more work. Plus, I've got to get here a lot earlier. But... Do you just wake up and show up, or is there prayer time? Is there some kind of Bible time? And I know we got busy lives. I got six kids. My wife has six kids. What? But prepare your heart before you walk in and you're, you're more ready. There's more to receive. Instead of finally, by the time this sermon right now is closing, I'm whew, okay. My heart's finally getting softened. In other words, lazy, sluggish, drifting, passive, dull listening is extremely. Dangerous. Secondly, do not buy the deception that meat is for the select few in the body of Christ. You know, the intellectual types go for the meat of biblical theology. Uh, for the rest, the vast majority of Christians, milk is just fine. It's the opposite of what this guy's saying. Those who stay on the diet of milk, he says, Are manifesting an internal disease called dullness of hearing. Finally, depending where you're at right now or where you'll be two and a half years from now, the roller coaster life of fighting the fight of faith for for us Christians all have what I'm going to say here an experience to one extent or another. So when you do, when you come to a place, gosh, Why is it that I'm bored with the doctrine of the Trinity? Why am I bored with the doctrine of Christ? Why am I bored with the doctrine of justification by faith alone through Christ alone? Why am I bored with how then shall we live called sanctification? And the truth that if there's no fruit, there's probably no root. Why am I bored with understanding regeneration? Does it cause faith or does faith cause it? Why am I bored? Go on and on. Ask yourself, the question. Okay, is it because I'm a brand new Christian? And I'm just drinking that's then you're good. That's great. Keep drinking But if you've been around for years in the body of Christ, ask yourself, is it because I have a spiritual disease called dullness of hearing? Come, Alex. Is hungry. Thirsty people then. We all are desperate. Especially when we don't feel desperate. We're desperate to purpose every day to cry out for healing. Of a heart to one degree or another is distracted and dull towards drawing near to God through the truth of Scripture. So daily, take up your Bibles purposefully, apart from children and work and other things as a priority, and pray and read. And in church, hear, listen with a prayerful heart. Are these things true? And so, Holy Spirit, move and again and again soften my heart. And that, That movement of I'm alive, I'm not dull to hearing the word of God, will be drawing you near to him, which will be the ongoing route that goes down from the vertical to the horizontal to encourage one another and to love in good deeds. Let's pray. So, Father, I, I pray first on behalf of any right now in the sound of my voice who has never, as of yet, come near through the blood of Christ to freely receive eternal salvation. Open there I let the wind of the spirit blow in new birth so that saving faith springs forth and for those of us who have been so graced by your sovereign saving placed into the body of Christ and secure, continue to manifest the fruit of that by causing our hearts to be hungry, to taste and see again and again the beauty and the glory of your Son, this glorious gospel through the Word of God. Cause our hearts to be renewed and refreshed with hunger and hunger throughout this coming week to be so unsatisfied in not drawing near to you experientially through the word of God. Oh, do it and use us to the glory of the name of Jesus in loving deeds towards others.